Hey, it's Tim Benz of Breakfast with Benz at Trib Live and the Pittsburgh Steelers Football Network. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Pittsburgh CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all the Pittsburgh teams. If you're from Pittsburgh or a fan of any Pittsburgh sports teams and want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to the Pittsburgh CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. What the team needs is first and foremost, and that's just how it goes. That's the component of team sport and football in particular. From a team perspective also, um, it's better to have volunteers as opposed to hostages, and so that's good for the team as well. The whole framework of the conversation about the Steelers trading Melvin Ingram has to be viewed through one lens above any other. He's just not that good. He's okay, but he's not all that good. So throughout the course of today's podcast, let's refrain from overreacting to what kind of player the Steelers lost in Melvin Ingram or what kind of compensation they received in just a sixth-round pick. To me, that's irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant is, did they set the right priorities by trading Ingram to one team and one team specifically, that being the Kansas City Chiefs? That's the question that needs to be asked as I kick off this edition of the Pittsburgh CityCast. Tim Benz with you, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today, Bet Rivers, or go to BetRivers.com to make your wagers in advance of the next NFL weekend, which features the Steelers on Monday Night Football against the Bears. The Steelers trading Melvin Ingram, the story of the week so far, and we'll talk about it with Joe Rudder, Trib Live Steelers beat writer. My colleague over the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, he'll join us soon. We'll get to that story, but like I said, Steelers... Monday Night Football against the Bears. I like the Steelers in the money line, minus 265 right now, but I'm still a little nervous about minus six for the point spread. In theory, Monday Night Football, Heinz Field, NFC team coming to town, a bad NFC team coming to town. That's usually a recipe to play the Steelers big. My only concern is these are the Steelers. This is a game that everybody thinks they should win. Usually in games like that, they don't win, or at the very least, they don't cover. Tomlin teams as a touchdown favorite on the road bet the other way 100% of the time. At home, this team, this game, though, it's tempting. If you make me choose right now, I'm probably taking the Steelers and giving the minus six. I'll let you know Sunday before the Monday nighter. This game feels like an under to me, even though it's only at 40. The Steelers hit the under 71% of the time, but it is close on the spread. The average point total in games so far, four Steeler games, 39.2, so that's a tough putt. Also interesting how the changes occurred on the odds board when it comes to the playoffs. The Steelers are suddenly at plus 650 to win the North. The Browns are only at plus 600 to win the division. That's quite a leap after last week. The Bengals, after their loss to the Jets, dropped them to plus 5,000 for the Super Bowl with the Steelers and even the likes of the 49ers. Yeesh. And the Browns are down to plus 3,300 to win the Super Bowl. What a difference a week makes in the AFC North. Mark down some of those numbers now, and let's circle back next week and see what they look like after Cincy and Cleveland play each other. That'll really affect the odds boards for futures when it comes to those two teams in the division, but... I just want to focus on the conversation on who Melvin Ingram went to and why, that being the Chiefs, because that's the most germane point of this discussion, I think, anyway. 
because we know the Steelers aren't as good without him. Don't talk yourself into thinking that Taco Charlton is better. If Taco Charlton was better, he would have been playing more often than Derek Tuska, let alone Melvin Ingram, and he would have been playing before this past week. Basically, the Steelers, in my opinion, made up a groin injury or exaggerated a groin injury for Melvin Ingram, gave him an excuse not to play, not be risked as a trade asset, and that way get a look at Taco Charlton to at least see if he was capable of playing an outside linebacker in their 3-4 in an NFL game. The Steelers are thinner at outside linebacker today than they were before the Ingram trade demand, and they were never very deep to begin with. So let's not pretend that Ingram being subtracted for a sixth-round pick doesn't pinch the Steelers. It does. But I also don't want to hear people working themselves into a lather because they didn't get proper return. The return to me is inconsequential. What matters to me is where he went and whether or not you see that as a threat. Does Pittsburgh's trade of Melvin Ingram specifically to the Kansas City Chiefs worry you? I don't like that he's going to a future opponent this year. I don't like that he's eating a wild card contender at a position where they need a lot of help. And I don't like that he may be on a future regular season and playoff opponent, both. My preferred course of action would have been to say, hey, you big baby, shut up and deal with your playing time. Shut up and deal with your snap count because you decided to come here as a free agent. Because at some point or another, Melvin Ingram was going to play a full game or two let alone the role he was brought here to play, which was to back up Highsmith and T.J. Watt. But what are the odds of Watt and Highsmith both being able to start every game and finish every game moving forward over the next 10 games? I'm pretty dubious of that, aren't you? And Ingram just wasn't willing to wait, and apparently he was being such a big baby that the Steelers felt giving him away to a conference rival and future opponent was a better option than having him around. And I disagree. I'd rather have seen them keep Ingram on the team and quiche on him if they had to. Keep paying him and say, look, don't even bother showing up even if Watt and or Highsmith get hurt along the way. Just say, we'll make you inactive every week. Take your pay. Go home and start working out to be a free agent next year. If he does things that are disruptive like James Harrison did, they could have suspended him for conduct detrimental. But just cutting him and turning him loose like Harrison or trading him, as they ended up doing, to a place where he would want to go, that does nothing for the good of this team. Here's what Mike Tomlin said about the cost-benefit analysis of trading Ingram to a known rival and future opponent when I asked him about it on Tuesday. Like how much was weighed into this sort of cost-benefit analysis of where Ingram wound up knowing he's going to be on a future opponent for you in the return that you got regarding the trade? You know, that's always a component of the discussion, but you that's why you play the market to see who's interested in at what level. At the end of the day, we got to make decisions that are best for us, whether it's, you know, you know what we're getting in return for a player weighed against what it is that you mentioned. Um, that's just standard business. Now, I almost asked him if he thought Ingram should have been traded to LSU or USC, but I didn't want to press my luck. But if teams don't have any better recourse than trading a problem child player like Ingram to a rival, then that's an issue because they should have recourse. And if they don't, then that's a problem with the CBA. I mean, you tell me, how much of a problem do you have to be for the Steelers to send you to a team they're going to play against on Christmas, basically, 
later in the season and maybe compete against for a playoff spot or against in the playoffs themselves. Because to me, that's the only issue about this trade and nothing else. The fact that he's going to KC. Although I will say this, I don't buy Tomlin's assertion that he is mad about the Ingram acquisition underscoring why they largely try to avoid such moves in free agency and tend to stick with people in the draft. If you didn't hear that explanation, here it is. Um, I enjoyed working with Melvin. Uh, it just didn't work out the way we envisioned, the way he envisioned, and, and sometimes that happens in free agency. And that's really, you know, culturally why we build our team primarily through the draft. Man, when you do business with guys from the time they're 20 and 21, you get an opportunity to be a part of their growth and development. They get an opportunity to buy in to your system of ball or their roles in it at a very young age, and it just makes the division of labor thing a more fluid uh, thing. Um, free agency, it makes it more cumbersome at times to get to know um, on a lot of levels as, you, as you're preparing to play games. And so um, it's good for him. We wish him the best moving forward, but it's also good for us. See, I don't buy that entirely because they've had plenty of acquisitions that have worked out well here from other teams. Alu-Alu, Schobert, Minka, Hayden, Turner, Ebron to a lesser degree, but Ebron, Vance McDonald, Motes, Balaj, Moelde Moore, Jericho Cotri, D'Angelo Williams. How far do you want me to go back? Steven Nelson for at least two years. And speaking of Ebron, that's actually the guy who would have made more sense to deal if you trade him you are actually replacing his snaps with a better blocker in Gentry or Raider, and Gentry can likely catch just as many passes as Ebron will be getting the rest of the way because Fryermuth has developed already into the number one tight end. One other thing. Tomlin used his we-want-volunteers-not-hostages line again as he likes to dust off from time to time, but he said that on the heels of talking about building through the draft, and isn't that a little ironic? I mean, you don't get volunteered to be drafted by a specific team in the NFL. They draft you and own your rights for the first four to five years of your career. That's hardly volunteering. I mean, these guys volunteer to be drafted, but they don't volunteer which team they're going to go to. They don't have a choice. So you see where I'm going with this, right? I mean, at some point, everybody becomes a hostage to their contract. It's just a matter of how much do you hold them to their contract. In the case of Melvin Ingram, I guess they didn't bother holding him to it all that much. But I talked about that at length Tuesday as the trade deadline was drawing near with Joe Rudder of Triv Live. We spoke in 105.9 The X as I was filling in for Mark Madden. And we began talking about the decision to keep Eric Ebron and not trade him. Then we get into the Ingram deal as well. I think they would prefer to make a deal. I mean, really right now, he's probably their third best option they have at the position. And he gives you nothing in the blocking game. Uh, Friar moves progressing there. Zach Gentry has been, you know, very good blocking this year. Um, you know, he still has prone to his usual drops. Uh, you know, in the big plays that he has been noted for making in the past just haven't been there. And so, you know, I mean, granted, he's already, you know, gotten most of his money secured in, you know, in a signing bonus that was restructured. So, you know, that the cost, you know, would be minimal for a team to take him on. But I just don't know if there's interest there. You know, why the team would want to you know, you know, gives up some kind of late round pick just to get him for the last, you know, eight, nine games of the season. I agree with a lot of what you said there uh, about the tight ends and having Gentry and, you know, having Fryermuth develop so quickly. He is probably the guy that at this point should be getting the third most amount of reps because he doesn't block in those two tight end sets. You probably are better served having Gentry out there. 
until or unless Fryermuth gets hurt. And then that's when you would miss Eric Ebron. Yeah, and, you know, again, and that could be something that bites you, too, with the Melvin Ingram trade, if an Alex Highsmith or a T.J. Watt gets hurt. But then, if, again, if you're losing T.J. Watt for an extended time, that, you know, that's, it's going to sink your defense anyhow. So it, I don't think it would matter if you had Melvin Ingram. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, you, 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 want, you want to keep him around, you know, for insurance purposes. But if you're trying to build some kind of capital for next year, you know, maybe you go ahead and, and unload him. But, I, you know, and unlike Ingram, I don't think he's as dissatisfied with his role, at least publicly. You know, so they, they probably have to weigh that in as well. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Because Melvin Ingram was brought here and everybody talked about what a great team guy he is and how positive of an influence he was going to be. He was really good despite playing through a tough year last year and uh, the Chargers organization. Then he comes here and so far so good all the way through training camp in the first week or two against the Raiders and Bills. And then all this happened. Like, did you see this coming? Because I didn't. Uh, not really, but you know, it, it was, it's interesting that a lot of times when we have our availabilities and are headed back to the uh, the indoor area to work, a lot of times he would be out. Of, you know, maybe when they were going through walkthroughs or in meetings, you'd see him out on his phone outside the facility. The last two or three weeks, car. I've noticed that. Yes, I've noticed the same yeah. thing, and it started to make sense as these last two or three weeks have gone along. He's probably talking to his agent, saying, "Can I get out of here?" <laughs> Yeah, and that, and that doesn't surprise you. And, you know, I, I think the Steelers knew what they were getting into, or at least they should have known. I mean, the guy's been in the league for, I guess, nine, ten years now. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he was like this, you know, with the Chargers. But, you know, they they, they vet these guys. They, they make these calls and do their research. And, you know, I'm sure they kind of knew what they were getting in, into. And if not, they, you know, they, well, they really shouldn't be surprised if this turned up, if, you know, if he had grand illusions of getting a lot of playing time here. Well, after what happened with James Harrison and after what happened with LeGarrette Blunt, are we starting to see a pattern here of maybe guys coming here and not quite understanding what their role is or th- somehow in the prospects of coming to Pittsburgh through the conversations with those that are signing them, they get, they get something in their head that they're going to play more than they actually are. Yeah, that that has to be the case, or they're being told things that don't pan out, you know, or or it's a case of hearing what you only want to hear. I mean, and you know, at Jane, or Mike Tomlin talked today about you know that's one reason why they build through the draft because you can bring guys in and get them developed at a young age and get them to know their mentality and and what their role is. Now, you know, that applies to Blunt, that applies to uh, Ingram, and that wouldn't apply to Har- to Harrison. Who you know before he came back, he he knew what you know he knew what they were getting into here. They knew him, he knew them. Um, so you know it, it could be a lot of he said, she said. But um, yeah, you know, and it's a tricky thing. You, you trade these guys, you release them, um, you, you just keep them on the bench and keep them unhappy. I, I don't think you want that in your locker room. And uh, you know, I guess the Steelers decided instead of keeping them around, you know, try to get something. You know, even if it's a six rounder, you know, to get what they could for the guy. Joe Rutter with us from the Trib. There is some irony, though, Joe, isn't there, to Mike Tomlin using his we want volunteers, not hostages comment, and then at the same time talking about building through the draft where everybody who is drafted has no other choice as to where they're going to go. <laughs> True. 
I mean, like, I guess you could say, you know, that's that that to me is sort of like the ultimate contradiction. Yes, you want volunteers and not hostages. And these players have volunteered to be NFL players, but they haven't necessarily volunteered to become Steelers. You are drafting them and they are the very definition of players who have nowhere else to go because they have become your property for the next three to four years and sometimes five. Yeah, that is a good point. Uh, you know, they, they don't have that kind of say so, but I guess the Steelers believe they get them in the door and teach them the Steeler way. And they draft guys knowing what kind of players they're trying to get. Um, you know, and I think they try to stay away from distractions and guys that are known to be problems in college. And, uh, you know, and I, and I think that's why they, they try to build that way through the draft. But occasionally when they dip their toe in the free agency, they end up with these type of players. Yeah, they've had some good ones, too, and we outlined some of those to open up the show. I mean, it's not – this is more of, of an anomaly, I would say, you know, the LeGarrette Blunt thing notwithstanding. But they had guys like Vance McDonald and Arthur Motes and Hayden and Minka and Trey Turner. Even Ebron's worked out uh, despite some of his attitude problems in the past. He just talked about trying to keep his big yapper shut going down the stretch the last 10 games <laughs> here. So I don't think this should – be a function that allows the Steelers to use the excuse of, well, this is why we don't use free agency when it becomes available to them next year. No, and I, and I don't think it will be going forward. You know, they have a few misses. A lot of teams do, you know, they, they have their share of hits. You can go all the way back to James Ferrier to find guys that they've got in free agency to come been productive here. I mean, they've struck out, you know, a lot of guys on defense. You look at the, I mean, look at the trade they made for Avery Williamson, mm-hmm. you know, the John Bossick signing, the, the guy before him. Who's Mark Barron. Me that, yeah, Mark Barron. The, and then the other guy before him that went to, from the Packers that went to, I believe, Cleveland. Oh, Morgan Burnett. Right now. Yeah, Morgan Burnett. I mean, you know, some you know some of these guys don't work out, and uh, you know, some of them, you know, again, get disillusioned with their role and, and want to be doing other things. And um, you know, the Steelers have their way, and you know, maybe it's a communication thing between Tomlin and the players, or the message isn't getting there. And again, it could be a case of players wanting to hear one thing and not really fully understanding, you know, what what they were told coming in. Well, back to your other point. What other option do they have? What other option did they have? I mean, was there another trade option out there? And if there wasn't, because I'm assuming there was nothing better or else they would have done it. I mean, like, could they have just kept them and said, listen, uh, you're going to stay with us. You sign with us. We're keeping you. And if you're going to be like James Harrison was towards the end before he got released, we'll pay you and just tell you to stay home. Just like Keyshawn him. Like, could they have done that? I guess they could have. I mean, because one thing you don't want to do is keep him in the facility and keeping you know, keep uh, having him, you know, in that room in meetings, you know, you know, you know, comparing himself to Alex Highsmith or, you know, having his bad attitude reflect on the younger players. You don't need that in, on the team. So you either remove him from the situation and, you know, they use this groin injury as a reason to keep him, you know, away from the facility. Um, but then again, yeah, I'm sure he could have filed some kind of grievance saying he really wasn't hurt. And it just could have gotten nasty. And I think they just figured this is the best way to go. And they, you know, the chiefs had reportedly shown interest. So now you're getting a six rounder, you, you know, you're probably not going to get much better than that. So you just go ahead and make the move. And, and, you, and like they did, they waited till they could see what Tucker Charlton could do in a limited role. Here's a guy that doesn't have as much leverage. You know, he was signed to the practice squad, probably as appreciative to, you know, be given another chance in the NFL. And, you know, if he wants to do something in the future, can prove in what limited role he has over the next half of the season that, you know, he might be, you know, a, a viable guy for another team in free agency. Well, Melvin Ingram shouldn't bitch about the B 
being hurt thing. I mean, that was essentially a way for them to get Charlton into the game and active and on the roster to give him an audition to make them feel better enough to trade Ingram. Like them making Ingram <clears throat> hurt with the groin injury, yeah. I mean, that just greased the, the rails for them to get him out of here. So he never should have complained about that. Yeah, but I, I could see him saying, I am healthy, I want to play. Uh, and them saying, well, you know, we don't want you around, so we're saying you're hurt. I could have seen that coming to, you know, some kind of head there. But, um, you know, I, I think the guy wanted to play. But, you know, he's played 10 years in the league. He's made a lot of money. Uh, he got paid $4 million to come here. Um, you know, it had to be about playing time for him because, you know, he'd already got – he's already, you know, made enough money you know, to last several lifetimes. So that shouldn't be an issue. Did they literally get Carlos Davis's twin because they think he's the same guy? <laughs> well, hopefully he stays on the field and gets healthier than his uh, than his twin brother because they haven't gotten much out of Carlos since they they drafted him. No, but I actually think there's a little something there, and they got Khalil Davis. Um, I think it's still a work in progress trying to figure out how to get around the absence of Stefan to it. And actually, Joe, it looks very much like a work in progress to figure out what's going on with Stefan to it. Like, do they know how much of this is still about the knee? Are they just not telling us? What's the story there? I, I don't know. I don't, I think whatever it is, they're not telling us, um, you know, it, keep, it keeps being the same message every week. Um, you know, the, the death of his brother, obviously still looming over him. The fact he didn't do much, you know, even when he, you know, he missed mini camp, even in training camp, he wasn't that much of an active participant. And the knee thing comes up. So we don't know because he's not out on the field. Whatever work he's doing, he's doing inside the facility. So we're not sure. We haven't seen him, you know, like, you know, when Zach Banner was hurt or Devin Bush, you saw them lugging around, uh, you know, weights, pulling weighted sleds around the, the perimeter of the field as they were trying to get back to health. I haven't seen any of that from Stephon to it. So you don't know, you know, where things really stand. And they're kind of being quiet. Well, they're being very quiet about it. So, you know, I don't know. I, you, know you would like to think that he would be back at some point this season because, you know, you, you're down to, you're approaching the midway point here. And, you know, they're going to need him. You know, if they're going to, you know, make it make a run for the AFC North title and to go deep in the playoffs, they're going to need, you know, definitely need him on that defensive line. Last thing, Joe, what was going on about an hour ago when it came to Javon Hargraves and his eyes emoji for about 30 minutes there? It looked like the Steelers were getting Hargrave back. Uh, what was that dust up all about? Was he just re was he replying to other rumors about Fletcher Cox or what was that? I don't know. I honestly did not see that. I'm not good at reading the tea leaves on those type of things anyhow, but uh, I would think the Eagles would be very happy with Javon Hargrave and the way he's played, and I don't, I don't see any reason why they would uh, you know, want to get rid of him, you know, even with the season they're having. Yeah, I agree. I'd love to see him back, but I don't think that was going to happen. Then when Cam Hayward liked it, it just took off from there. So that was fun for a minute while it lasted. All right, Joe, like, do you feel like you're back on the baseball beat here this year when it comes to the trade deadline for the Steelers? Yeah, except for the baseball beat. You always knew the Pirates were going to be, you know, shipping multiple players out at the last minute. It was a little <laughs> more exciting. I, 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 I get the sense that uh, I'm not going to have to worry about my phone ringing at five after four. All right, so my thanks to Joe Rudder from Trib Live. You can hear that podcast in its entirety on the Pittsburgh Tribune Review page, the podcast page at Breakfast with Ben's. When we come back, we switch gears. We talk hockey with Brian Metzer, the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network, right here in the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by 
Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. The VSIN midseason football special is here. Put the VSIN betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24 7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in depth data and analysis on vsin.com. Sign up today at vsin.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. Well, it's on all of us. You know, we're, we're a team, you know, and the, and the coach is a part of that. It's our job to try to help these guys um, find their very best game, and that's what we're trying to do. That, that's the human aspect of what we do, but it's, uh, it's not on any one individual. We're, we're all trying to help one another capture their, their very best game and our best game as a team. So we've got to do a better job as a coaching staff and helping these guys and making sure that um, you know, we're, we're trying to get them in the right frame of mind where they can be at their best. Mike Sullivan of the Penguins bringing us back. The Pens minus 148 to beat the Flyers Thursday night at PPG Paints Arena. That may seem odd with the Penguins being in the midst of a three-game losing streak, but I do like the Penguins in this one. Five days of rest, getting Latang back, Sid with a game under his belt to knock off the rust. He's always good against the Flyers. They need a win. I bet the building is close to packed. And buzzing again for this one, I say let's go Pens here. Although, although the puck line on the Flyers, let's see what that is. If they're getting a goal and a half, I will be interested. Anyway, the Pens have lost three in a row in regulation after getting a point in their first five games. At the time of this recording, they are in last place in the Metro Division with just eight points, having been outscored 13-3 to in their last three versus the Lightning, Flames, and Devils. Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network, joined me to talk about them recently on 105.9 The X. We also get into some goaltending conversation, some of the other teams that might be worth betting on in the East, and of course... The Ghost and Volbeat concert we will both be going to in February at the Peterson Event Center because, let's face it, that's what really matters. Here's Mets on the X. Mets, great to catch up with you. Uh, things going in the wrong direction for the Penguins, it appears, though. Yeah, first, it's great to be back here with you, Tim. And uh, you're right, the past week hasn't been very good for them. But when you look at it, I, I don't know that it's terrible. They did run into a couple of really good goaltending uh or good goaltending performances, starting with uh, Vasilevsky back in the Tampa Bay game. And then obviously I think that they uh, had the same issue when they played Markstrom for the Flames. I don't know that I could say that about the Devils, but overall two out of three ain't bad uh, in terms of using that as an, as an excuse because they did generate some offense in those games quite a bit uh, to be exact, a lot of shots on goal, et cetera. But yeah, not a very good showing compared to how they started the season. It's awful early in the podcast for a meatloaf reference. <laughs> Did you see the text that I sent you? Our good friend Danielle uh, dressing, dressing up um, in the ghost costume for Halloween. No, I don't think I have it. 
Oh, I thought I sent that already. That's no, I need be, to oh, see it. <laughs> yeah, you got to check that out. That is fantastic. Did she go as a um, a Cardinal Copia or as one of the Papas? Uh, she went as uh, the lead singer. Yeah, but did she have like a Pope's hat or was she yes. just in a black? Okay, yeah, so she went as one of the Papa Emeritus's because he's changed his persona. He went from Papa 1 to Papa 2 to Papa 3. Then he became Cardinal Copia, and now he is Papa 4. This is going to be quite the stage show at the Peterson Event Center, isn't it? You are going to love it, my friend, because I don't know that you've seen them before. No, correct? I have not. No. Yeah, you're, you're really love it. Their stage show is something to behold. And it's fun because I watched them transition from essentially a backdrop as an opener for Mastodon in 2012 at Stage AE to putting on evening with type performances. One of the times we saw them was at the Benetton Center downtown. And that was just remarkable the way that they just had this stage set up and there's pyro and there's all kinds of things, including costume changes. And it's just a lot of fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. Well, unless the penguins get right, that might be the highlight of our winter. So let's hope it's good. Um, I'm worried about the penguins right now. Uh, I think this is more of what I expected. Uh, I used the phrase earlier in the season where it felt like they had pixie dust sprinkled on them for the first few (laughs) games. I, wasn't so much shocked that they were able to take away a few loser points here and there and scratch out a few wins. Um, it was the goal scoring that stunned me. The fact that they were scoring goals at the rate that they were yes, six and five and five and seven. And uh, now in the last three games against Jersey, Calgary and the lightning, uh, they've been outscored by a total of uh, what's it been here? 13 to three over the last three games. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty ugly. Now, they, they've had a couple of empty net goals mixed in, and you can also make the same case that some empty net goals helped had the stats right. at the beginning yes. of the season but based on what happened against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But to your point, those first three games, they, they really lit it up. They did a really nice job with 16 goals in those games, and then it's been a struggle ever since, uh, unless you count the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, boy, oh, boy, did they come into Pittsburgh and lay an egg. But I, I, I think – A lot of this, at least in two of those games, and I'm not making excuses for them because the finish was definitely absent from their lineup. They they generated a ton of chances against the Lightning and Flames, and I think that's when we really had it magnified what they were missing in terms of the injuries. No Sid, no Gino, no Latang, no Brian Rust, who's been their top goal scorer over the last two seasons, and then Jeff Carter. We all know what he did after arriving in Pittsburgh. Now, that said, I didn't think that Sid and Carter jumped off the ice at me in their first game back. In fact, Sid showed an awful lot of rust, more than I would have anticipated based on the time of uh, that he put in practice-wise. But I can, I, I can feel like he's only going to get better from there. Carter, he had one really good scoring chance in that game, and I think that they will all have a better showing with a, almost essentially a full week of practice before they get into that matchup with the Flyers on Thursday, assuming COVID doesn't take out the entire team by then. Uh, one is not having symptoms. I think Ruedel and Pedersen is. So uh, it's almost like Carter and, and uh, Latang when they came down with it, where Carter had no symptoms, Tanger did. The good news is Chris Latang has cleared protocol and he is slated to join the team on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, for practice. And then he will just continue to go through the process throughout the rest of the week. And I think he will be in the lineup come Thursday, which getting Chris Latang back, I know people hate him and rip on him and give him a lot of guff. They are a different team when he's in the lineup. He, he plays all those minutes. He helps the offense. He helps 
both special teams when he gets an opportunity to do so. So I think that will help the uh, help the cause. But COVID has been uh, definitely haunting them a lot more this season than it did last year. They were one of the only teams in the league, Tim, that were able to dodge that bullet and had a couple of scares, but nobody tested positive. This year, they've had a number of positives, a number of players go into protocol. I guess the good thing is they've been able to mitigate the spread each time it's popped up. I know they've had a couple almost every week now, but look at a team like the Blackhawks. Uh, look at the team like I think it was the San Jose, San Jose Sharks the other night. They're putting six and seven guys at a time in protocol. At least the Penguins haven't had to do that. I mentioned the Penguins Radio Network. Mets, you mentioned Sidney Crosby looking rusty. I think that might be a kind way to describe it, actually. He just had a bad game. You know, money on the line games. He's usually so good in those circumstances, and that was uh, 180 degrees the opposite. You're exactly right. I was I was really surprised at that performance. And I don't want to beat him up because, you know, he has missed time. And the injury that he's coming off of this time is one that affects a lot of what he does well. He uses those wrists uh, for strength on the puck. And the wrist that he had repaired is the one that's normally on his arm as he's fighting guys off and trying to hold his stick up while he's fighting guys off. Now, that said, he won the first faceoff of the game. And then he had a really terrible showing in the faceoff dot the rest of the night. I was kind of surprised at how bad he actually finished because it, it was uncharacteristic. And I thought that he would bounce back in that capacity just, just due to getting the, uh, the wrist repair done. So when you look at this, how did he finish? It was 8 and 15 in the dot for 35% which you don't want to see happen. Now, I think that's going to get better. He only shot the puck a couple times. He had two. He had a couple chances in which he, he either fanned or missed the net. Um, he had those passes you talked about. So I think it's just a matter of him getting that wrist comfortable. He talked about that after the game, how he just did not feel good. And he had been feeling so good in practice leading up to that. So he even seemed to surprise himself with how he performed. And I do think that a few more days of practice, then he gets into a span where when you look at the, um, the schedule here, they're going to have the Flyers game on Thursday. And then I think they play, yeah, Saturday against Minnesota, a couple days off. And then they go almost every other night through the rest of that month, essentially. So that getting him into some games and playing every other day, I think that will help Sid get back up to the game speed, get back into his mode and be able to play at a higher level that we've come to expect from Sidney Crosby. Mets. Who are the truly great goalies that are out there in the NHL right now? How many are there and, and who are they in your opinion? I was having this conversation with Mark Madden. I thought it was an interesting point he brought up that, you know, aside from Vasilevsky, is there a great goalie who's playing great right now? And actually, I don't think Vasilevsky's playing great this season, but you know, a great goalie that's in their prime. Um, anybody else come to mind, especially with Carey Price not available right now? It's funny, Tim, that you mentioned he's not playing that well. It goes to show that even the great ones kind of have to have a good team in front of them to really show what they can do because he's, he's played well. He's made a ton of great saves in the games that he's been out there, but at the same time, he just has that 9-11 save percentage now and a 2.53 goals against average. But when you look up and down, uh, I think there are guys on the cusp of maybe jumping into that conversation, and I'm not even saying that they're on the level of a Vasilevsky. Connor Hellebuck has showed signs of being that guy, but his numbers always leave me wanting. Uh, and I don't know if that's a product of the Winnipeg Jets, but I think he's kind of, he could get himself into that conversation, but he's already been playing a number of years now. So is it going to happen? I don't know. Uh, I think that 
Markstrom, who the Penguins just saw with the Calgary Flames the other night, he has three shutouts in his last four games, and he seems to be getting into that conversation. He's not universally thought of as that kind of guy, mainly because he was drafted essentially 10 years ago by the Florida Panthers, and it took him all this time to get into a situation that that worked for him. And that came when he was in the, uh, in the, with the Vancouver Canucks, he really started to put it all together in that organization. And now looks like, you know, a different guy with the Calgary flames. He is uh, really putting up eye popping numbers and is a early guy to think of as a Vezina candidate this season, if he can keep those kinds of numbers going, but above and beyond it, you mentioned Carey price. I think he's certainly in the conversation, but there's really nobody like back in the day when you had playing at the same time, you had Patrick Waugh and Marty Brodeur out there. You then had uh, Habby Bowling come in, who some people think was an all-time great. I particularly don't think so, but he, he played for some very good teams, put up some good numbers once he got away from the Arizona franchise. So guys like that were all in the league. Dominic Hasek was playing in that same era. So you could say you had Hasek, Waugh, and Brodeur Every year, they were going to be in contention for the Vezina Trophy. Now, I don't really see a trio like that. There's a chance that those two young Russian goaltenders playing in New York are going to start to get into that conversation. And uh, Sorokin uh, is the first guy in, in Shesterkin. They both seem like they're on the come up. They have great numbers. They're getting better by the season. And they're both so young. I think that they could potentially be that. But right now, it comes down for me to Vasilevsky, probably Carey Price, and just based on what he's doing this year, maybe Markstrom is rounding into form. Everybody else is a notch right behind with room to grow, but maybe into being in the conversation. Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network. Are the Panthers and the Hurricanes ever going to cool off? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, we'll see how the Panthers do as they continue to move out of this uh, situation with Quenville being resigning his position with the Kyle beach situation, but they haven't seemed to have been deterred just yet. They're still rolling along at eight Oh and one on the season at the time of our recording, they have a plus 18 goal differential and they just from top to bottom have a really good hockey team. If anything, injuries could pop up. I think the Sam Bennett's already on the shelf right now dealing with something. And he has been such a key cog since they acquired him from the Calgary flames last year, who based on how they're playing, they probably wish they would have just kept Bennett. He would yeah. be looking very good in their lineup at this point in time. And on the Carolina side of things, we didn't mention him in terms of being one of the goaltenders that are, are world burners right now, but Frederick Anderson he looks like a different guy from the time he spent in Toronto. I realize he did some good things while he was in Toronto, but right now he's undefeated. He uh, is playing on a team that is eight. No, they have a plus 21 goal differential. They're getting contributions from up and down the lineup. And the thing about both of those teams, Tim, they play fast. They have skill. They're very good defensively. They can do a little bit of everything very well. And that's tough to compete with. Cause I was kind of shocked uh, when I look back at the Florida Panthers, they were among the, the league leaders in goals scored and among the league leaders in goals against average. So when people were telling, you know, telling us that maybe John Tortorella is somebody that's in the running to take over that team, I didn't think it would work for them, 
but Joel Quenville is not necessarily known as being a run and gun offense guy. And they were, they were doing a pretty good job in that regard. And now they're doing it under brunette who took over for him. And then on the Carolina side, they just do a little bit of everything well as, as well. So I don't know that they're going to be knocked off anytime soon. It's tough to maintain that through 82 games. So we'll see how they do once we get to January, February, but for right now, they are the cream of the crop. You know, the Metro we've talked about it at length is deep and very consistent throughout every yes. team in the division. Like that's the biggest thing. You know, I think you're going to see uh, for the most part, a log jam for at least three of the spots. You know, I'm just wondering if Florida is so good that they're going to run away with the top spot. I, I guess I don't see that being the case. I, mean, I think it'll be pretty evenly distributed. The points one through the, the very last team. I, I hope it's not the penguins. They're, they're in last right now. And yeah, it's, it's pretty funny to see that you could be a 500 team, and you're in last place in your yeah, division. Right. Usually that's good. As enough opposed to, to some of those, as opposed to some of those teams in the, in the West that are, yeah. you know, haven't even gotten a, a win yet, which is crazy. And that's always the case with the Penguins division that got no easier this year. We thought it was tough last year with Boston being in the mix. Well, you know, you push Boston back out, but Oh, here come the Carolina hurricanes back into the fray. And here's the Columbus blue jackets. And, and I don't know. It's, even even these teams, like you didn't know what they anticipate from Columbus. They're cruising along at five and three with ten points already. Uh, I think the Rangers are off to a great start. Their first couple of games, Tim, they didn't look like they were going to be very good this year. They they were struggling. Well, it all came together by like game three or four, and here they are at six, two, and one. Then the old standby Washington Capitals are nipping at the heels of the Carolina Hurricanes up there. And what's kind of interesting to me is. They are the kings of the loser point yet again. They have five wins, but they've also managed to, in any situation that they've they've been trailing in a game, they either got it to a tie and then lost the game or found a way to win it because here they are with three loser points already, and that's helped them get to 13 points because if not, if not for those points, they'd be back right around fourth or fifth place in the division, and that three points in the loser category in that overtime spot, there's only one other team with that many. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks. Otherwise, it's the Caps leading the way again. And it's worth noting that when the Flames came through the East on this five-game road trip that culminated with that win over the Penguins, the only team in the East that did anything against the Flames because they went 5-0 and over that span was the Caps who took them the overtime or two overtime and got the loser point yet again. So uh, it's not going to be an easy road. And that's why it's important for the Penguins to get these bodies back, start winning some hockey games because they've got to climb back into it because they haven't been bad, but middling around 500 or a couple games over, I don't think that is going to help you. You got to win real off, you know, four or five wins in a row to make some hay in this division and get yourself back into a playoff spot because it's not going to be an easy road this year at all. This division is a murderer's row. Mets, I appreciate it. Hey, do you think that Mike Sullivan is thankful to Pat Narduzzi for Pitt blowing that game against Miami <laughs> and Mike Tomlin for getting his kicker killed and route to a victory against the Browns because it feels like no one's throwing any heat at the Penguins as a result of all, all this? No, I, I think you're right. Uh, it helped him for sure. Uh, everybody wants to, uh, you know, skewer Mike Tomlin and people want to go after Nards right now because of what happened. And everyone is still riding the wave of the Penguins start and saying, boy, Sully pressed all the right buttons. He knew how to offset those injuries, not realizing that, hey, wait, they've lost three straight games right now. So they're, they're still riding the wave and praising Mike Sullivan. So he's got to be loving life. All right. So thanks to Brian Metz of the Penguins Radio Network. But yeah, the Hurricanes at plus 1500 still to win the cup. I love those odds right about now. 
Florida is at plus 850 behind only the favored Avalanche at plus 450. I really don't understand the gap there. Yeah, goaltending, I get it, but not that much. I also like the Canes at plus 700 to win the East more than I do the Panthers as the favorite at plus 400. There's more value to me on what could be considered a 50-50 toss-up between the two with also the likes of Boston, Tampa, and Toronto between the two clubs. I'm bullish on the Hurricanes. All right, that'll do it for today's Pittsburgh CityCast. We will be back with you on Friday, uh, and then we will have Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson on Saturday and Sunday, respectively, for their usual appearances as we break down the college and pro games of the weekend. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. It's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Pittsburgh CityCast is presented by BetRivers. BetRivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting and it has you covered for the NFL season. They are offering same game parlays in all pro football matchups. They are bringing back their Reduce the Juice promotion on game days And this NFL season, they have a $1 million beat the spread challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at BetRivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to bet. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote what do the most successful growing businesses have in common they're working together in slack Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.